0: Flight 48 to Cape Town. Hi, Alex. Cape
1: Town, man. That's a place. That is a place. Beautiful. Especially this time of year when it's what is it like two degrees in London right now and it was 28 degrees down there
0: Ah, oh, god I'm so jealous you you've just been there, I just got why, back yep oh, which man. is why we chosen uh, that I mean it's not your first time I mean you you know South Africa pretty well I've actually never been so the end of the show will be totally yours I've I don't have any idea about an airport and also the way you got there is very interesting we also get uh, there later in the show First, a personal note i just wanted to thank all our listeners because i've gotten literally gotten dozens and dozens of messages of condolences for my That's dad's really bad cool. thing it's, yeah really i got emails and twitter dms and facebook messages etc i mean guys thank you so much it was a It's a bit overwhelming, but thank you. I I love you guys. That was uh, really kind of you guys. Talking about kindness, another kind of kindness. We also got, and I forgot to mention that in the last episode, other reviews on uh, iTunes. More five stars. We only have five stars for the moment. (laughs) It's like Uber. You know, you don't want to get your rating down or something. Great podcast by Domenico. Uh, Dave says, these guys know their stuff and add great personality and insight. Archie says, favorite aviation podcast. I'm a big fan of Aviation Geeks and APG, but these guys take first place. Wow. Thanks wow, a lot. That's, that's a really. Kind. And we also got a mention in Travel Massive in their new newsletter, the second newsletter they ever released. Do you secretly search YouTube for 777X versus A350? The Layover podcast is absolutely for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, that's very kind guys I mean um, we're, we're doing our best and we, like we said we're we're promising you that this year we'll record more regularly than we did at the end of last year if you're a traveler good luck we're recording today it's February 10th 2017 if you're traveling BA there's still a lot of strikes around so avoid flying BA I mean I love these guys but <clears throat> oh, yeah. the, it's they're becoming the Lufthansa of last year and two years ago because they're having literally strikes every other week or so the other thing uh, if you're a traveler in the US uh, these days on the East Coast, uh, there's a lot, a lot of snow. I think that more than 3,000 flights were cancelled, I think, yesterday, Thursday, and more are forecasted to be cancelled today, Friday. But, of course, the big news about, uh, especially the East Coast, although it also happened in other parts of the U.S., with that big story about the travel ban, the executive order by the Trump administration that was that created a little bit of chaos in airports in the US. Right now, the ban is suspended, it's been again suspended. We heard just this morning that the second hearing of the courts they uh still uh, got ahead with the suspension. It probably will go to the Supreme Court, but for the moment, you can travel. But for a while, it was a bit of a, of a mess, right?
1: Yeah, it, I, you know, and setting politics aside, uh, yeah, of t- course. talking purely about the logistics, yeah, because it's kind of have been on again and off again and kind of hastily implemented. There were massive practical ramifications for a lot of people, both travelers and the airports themselves, and not to mention all the logistics to handle protests, which, you know, it it is what it is. But it's caused a lot of disruption and a lot of heartache. And I don't think that we've seen the end of it. My father's in town at the moment. We were talking about this this morning, that a lot of people are second-guessing their choices about taking their holidays in the U.S. because they don't want to get get caught up in this if they have been to one of these countries or they were born there or whatever, you know, may actually affect them one way or the other, irrespective of where they're coming from. So it's yeah. a strange times.
0: Yeah, because for a while, it was also a certain, I mean, the first of all, the big issue was obviously for green card holders that could have been hit. So if you were a green card holder, so you're a legal, lawfully resident in the US, having a double nationality out of the seven countries concerned that you'd be in holidays, you could be banned from coming back, which is yeah. quite, quite big. But as you say, it was really uncertain because the executive order didn't mention the fact that just having been to one of these countries could be a problem. And even I think it was the Danish former prime minister or minister of the interior, I don't remember which ministry he was for, was uh, questioned upon his arrival in the US and they wouldn't want to let him in just because he had been to one event, uh, one United Nations event in uh, Iran actually. So it's, uh, I I would understand that second guessing. I mean, I planning to go to Iran this year, for instance, and I know that it would for sure make uh, me lose my ESTA waiver program, so basically the fact that as a non-U.S. citizen I can go to the U.S. without having to request a visa which is not a problem because then you go to the embassy, get your interview, and get a B-1, B-2, at least for someone like me, but now you're like, oh well but just the fact that I would have been there maybe people would actually, you know second guess me when I well, get exactly, the because it because
1: ah. because it's so loosely defined and there is so much room for interpretation. And I think, you know, it was really interesting, actually, a a border agent did a impromptu AMA on Reddit and, you know, they had no preparation for this. And, you know, you feel bad for those folks that have actually got to be the ones that say, yeah you know Agreed. come with me please and because it's subject to interpretation you have people of the same status who have been to the same country or were born there or whatever basically the same person would be free to go through LAX for example but then detained for 6 hours in JFK yeah yeah, yeah it's so. it's going to be really interesting to see what happens
0: Right now, this is suspended. So actually, airlines have been... Uh, I've heard calling passengers that were denied to say, hey, you can fly now. <laughs> yeah. So like reboarding them and taking them there. And also, uh, some airlines had to shift personnel. Uh, yeah, personnel. Emirates. Uh, Emirates was one of them. Uh, I mean, Emirates is big enough so that it wasn't too much of a problem. They just shifted personnel. I'm thinking that probably smaller airlines, although there are many... Even like Qatar, that only has like probably ten flights going to the U.S. or something. Yeah, they must have been very careful of not having their personnel stranded in the U.S. or detained, even whilst the ban was up.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think they had to scramble hugely to reassign flight deck crew and cabin crew. Just as I mean, it was a very sensible thing for them to do as a precautionary measure, because the last thing you want to do is have them kept, you know, detained or or just not want to go. You
0: know. Yeah. In the same breath, uh, we heard more and more stories about uh, U.S. Airlines going to Trump and his administration and say hey we should do something about the ME3 we should do something about Norwegian and uh, we mentioned that in the last episode it was just a thought but now I've seen many articles actually the three US Airlines had a meeting at the White House, there's no much words what happened with the meeting obviously they must have asked the same thing that they used to ask which is hey these guys are subsidized please do something, do not allow them more landing rights, block them, blah 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 we'll see but this is a trend, this is where it's going.
1: Yeah the only thing that I saw concrete that came out of that was a quote from Trump about the equipment that the airports provide them and how antiquated it is, which is sort of, yeah, but whatever. Very weird tangent. Whether anything concrete came out of it, I don't know. But I'm sure that the ME3 and Norwegian and any other airline is going to be looking very closely at this to see what happens in the short term and the long term, because it could be hugely disruptive.
0: Emirates added a new uh, fifth freedom route from Europe, Athens to Newark. Uh, that's great news, especially for me. They fly it on a 777. I am going back and forth to Athens these days because of my family matters, so I might actually take up the opportunity to try and go to Newark with Emirates. The EU doesn't like those particularly either because, you know, they say, oh, they're eating up our market, but uh, I like yeah, those. That's come from under Emirates, a lot of by scrutiny.
1: That's come under a lot of scrutiny, hasn't it? And Tim Clark has had to come out and defend that particular route and that it's not just sitting on a slot or something like that. But, you know, you're already starting to see practical fallout of this relationship between the ME3 and the US. Emirates said a, a flight was delayed because Delta withheld a $300 spare part and that caused a six-hour mechanical delay. That's petty. Because, Ted, Delta wouldn't sell it to them. It's it's petty and it's par for the course for Delta. And they're, you know... I think Delta feel like they have a little bit more momentum in there or wind in their sails, if you will. So we thought we'd heard the end of the story, but now it's reopened in a big, big way.
0: You sent me that news that uh, Dubai International Airport would welcome a call from the Trump administration on ways to improve American airports. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that
1: was funny. Very, very funny indeed. I think that was uh, very cheeky on their behalf.
0: <laughs> on a more serious note, and back to Norwegian, there was quite a few articles, of course, these past days, because Norwegian has gotten approval by the DOT. They are expanding their routes in the US. They make a few announcements as well. Whilst at the same time, this old noise of, oh, sh- should we block Norwegian more is also gaining traction. There was an interesting quote here. The DOT said, this case, Norwegian, is amongst the most novel and complex ever undertaken by the department, which shows that the delay was not only because they wanted to block, but because the, 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 the issue was not that easy because, you know, Norwegian has a very specific, let's say, uh, setup where they have, you know, it's a Norwegian airline, but they have different HQs to use different laws in Ireland, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know, and and that was probably why also the DOT was looking into a, you know labor contract and a flag of carrier, etc. Sean Spicer, the White House press secretary that was derided quite a lot on (laughs) SNL and other shows these past weeks, has indicated that the deal they've reached with Norwegian involves hiring a large number of U.S.-based pilots and cabin crews. So Norwegian is making an effort, and it's not only in that statement from Spicer, but there's been a lot of announcements about opening new bases. They will open three. I mean, they already have one, two other bases for pilots in the U.S. So they're making an effort. The CEO, uh, his name is Bjorn Kios, I think. The CEO is pushing, saying like, yeah, we'll hire U.S. employees. You know, the, he's trying to say that, look, we're going to do everything you guys want because we need those routes. He's under pressure. Absolutely. And that guy is no fool, The the CEO of Norwegian.
1: And I think he's been quite clever in the way that he's approached this. But it all depends on the whims of the Trump administration. No matter what they agree to on a Monday, it could all be undone on a Tuesday and I think the world is still getting used to that but you know they've said that they're going to base themselves in the u.s out of providence in rhode island yes that's one of the bases which is cool you know providence is a great place and i think gives them much much lower operating costs than if they were to pick you know any of the new york area uh, but it gives them access to the new york area the boston area basically the northeast
0: they said they were looking into a base around new york greater new york area and they are at the other bases in uh fort lauderdale i think clever I mean, I mean, oh, those
1: yeah. make total sense. Yeah, they were looking at um, somebody. Will tweet us as soon as we put this episode live. But with the, with the New York base was. But I think they're being clever with it, and I think they just talked about recently um, opening in Argentina as well, and with a flag yeah. carrier there. So, <laughs> you know what? It's 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 cool. Good for them. I like them. They are kind of blazing some very painful trails into the U.S. for foreign carriers. But long may it continue.
0: I think the CEO had announced that he was looking into a price of sixty-nine dollars from Europe to the U.S. Yes. Honestly, exactly. Exactly. i would welcome that hey
1: you know what good for that. if they can make it happen then
0: hooray the other argument they have they basically have boeings they have i think 20 737s and 787s so dreamliners and they have ordered like more than 100 maybe 120 or something uh one of these and that's uh, the one i want to talk about now is the 737 max 8. why because although the dreamliner is smaller than the triple sevens and the big birds we see in the air I think the Max 8 as something it's basically a, a 320 that will allow Norwegian to do and others to do transatlantic routes. So we'll have to get used to fly in a very small narrow cabin plane to fly to the. US
1: me. Yeah I mean but you know, it's not much longer than during a transcon in the US and that is almost exclusively narrow body.
0: Absolutely. I think it was, even with the, the stretch version, I think they were just, just under capacity for security. I think they need to have more fuel and the Max 8 resolved that. Of course, the, the 320 Neo might as well, the 321 yep. as well. And I think Boeing is looking into doing a stretch version of the Max 9 to compete with that uh, 321 Neos. It's, it's an interesting time. It's because we will see more and more like the Dreamliner, but even smaller aircrafts to do point to point, even on interlock continental routes, which was something we we're not used to.
1: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how they do the interiors and the hard product to entice people on. Is it going to mirror what they have in their 787s? Is it is it going to have IFE or is it going to be a little bit more? I mean, for 69
0: bucks, I'm guessing probably pretty basic, <laughs> but who knows? I mean, who knows? who knows? TAP, the Portuguese airline, is also buying 10A321 news long range and they want to fly them to Brazil. So again, you know, small planes, and they yeah. sent to Brazil. So it's, a, it's an interesting trend, I believe. Uh, talking about interesting trends, since we're on these kind of low-cost, long-haul, how did you fly to Cape Town? We partnered with Thomas Cook. Tell me about that, because who is Thomas Cook? Because I'm sure that a lot of people who do not live in the UK might not know them, yeah. uh, especially outside of Europe, and I've never flown them.
1: So we partnered with them to film an episode of Attaché in Cape Town. Thomas Cook are a 100-plus-year-old company... That originally started with sort of package holiday and tourism. They are a sister company of, if not wholly owned subsidiary, of Condor, which is the big German outfit. German, yeah. The um, but they've recently started selling just seats only on, on their airline, Thomas Cook Airlines, before the planes were filled with people who had bought a package holiday through them. They have short hauls sort of Mediterranean and North Africa, that type of thing, but also a growing long haul fleet where they do in some places in in the u s, Caribbean, Mexico. and they just launched their Gatwick Cape Town direct route on an a three thirty two hundred. And it's a great route because it's very underserved and it's also highly seasonal. A lot of people fly to Joburg, but hardly anybody flies to Cape Town Direct anymore. You either have to go to Joburg and then down or fly on one of the ME3 and connect via Dubai or Abu Dhabi or Doha. It just launched in December, and so it was a timely journey for us as well. And it was great. We had, we had a lot of fun. They have a 242 economy and then a 232 premium economy, premium cabin. The planes were all about eight years old, but the interior is brand new. And it was, you know, IFE with... If you're in the premium cabin, everything's free. If you're in the back, you pay to access some of the content. Good moving map. Food was fine. It's a red eye. Actually, Greg, who does the show with me, flew down on the red eye, which is... I think it left at 10 o'clock at night and gets into Cape Town around 11 a.m. The next day is a long-ass flight. And then I flew back on a red eye, which leaves at around 7 p.m. and gets in at 5 a.m. Greg did... And All Dayer, which left at, I think, 10 a.m. Cape Town time and got in at 7 p.m. UK time... And that's a long flight to do during the day, like twelve wow. hours. But it was good. I mean, it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was. The seats were comfortable. The crew were exemplary, really attentive and assertive, and just very pleasant people to be around. So yeah, so it was good. You were in premium economy on one of the legs, I think. Yeah, both legs we were in premium economy. That's how just, how is that seat? Fine. Yeah. I mean, it, it's comparable to any other premium economy seat that I've been in. British Airways are Virgin. Not quite as good as Cathay or Singapore Airlines. Yeah, but of course,
0: well, it's not the same.
1: Not Nina And BA and Virgin aren't either. But yeah, it was fine. I slept a lot on the way back. Yeah, it was It was fine. Really, really That's,
0: good. I'll consider them because if you say that, I can uh, book them directly instead of oh. ordering a package. Uh, well, since I'm due to a visit to South Africa, I might actually try that. Yeah, but, you should. Uh, I mean, they must be cheap as well, I think.
1: it's Yeah, relatively. I th- because there's not much capacity on that route. The prices are pretty... You know, they're not super cheap, but relative to the competition that they were very affordable. It is seasonal. I think they finished flying in March or April, but you'll have to check that basically when the summer ends in South Africa. And it's, you know, it's a great excuse to get down to South Africa at this time of year when it's horrible and rainy and cold in Europe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You said, so did you have IFE or not?
1: Yes. Yeah. So a reasonably sized screen, USB plug to charge. There was probably like 30 or 40 movies and TV shows. It's not nearly as comprehensive as some of the other carriers that I've been on, but for the premium cabin, it was all free and it was better than nothing. Uh, certainly better than nothing. Great moving map. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I always load up my, I've seen every movie that they have on airplanes because I travel far too much as I'm yeah, sure. yeah. You know, i have you have the, same, the problem, same problem. Yeah. So having the IFE there, nice big bright screen, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was, it was absolutely fine. Lovely to have some more competition on that hugely underserved route. Hopefully the uh, incumbents will... You don't have to put up with them, frankly, now. That's the
0: good thing. Since we're an IFE, American Airlines just announced that they're ditching their uh, IFEs. I think it's mostly for domestic. They're ordering the new... uh, The ones I just mentioned, the the 737s 737s, without IFE. Uh, jet stars and others have already done it i, I think, think it makes trench. sense yeah it does like it's not because okay we are outliers we've seen every single movie on the <laughs> ifes but anyway you know I, I just put stuff on my ipad and i watch you know the shows i want and that's it right and or some now you can use like streaming wi-fi like i've tried with lufthansa it works pretty well I yeah, think it works it's, really uh, well i, I mean anyway. southwest
1: have it, it for that short haul it makes total sense
0: the big ones, the ME3 might keep it, and others, but I uh, still the trend is, or it goes on the in the other direction. I think direction. for long haul, it just it makes sense to have it built in, and people actually I think expect it as well. Yeah, but that's the thing. Coming back to what we just mentioned, uh, going to New York is it long haul? You know, some airlines might just say, you know well, for six hours, we're not going to give it to you. Uh Talking, of, of course, from London. Uh, we'll see. It's an interesting trend. I think uh, it's not uh, black and white, Yeah, but we'll see less and less uh, of those. Talking about black and coming back to the US, but just north of the border, Canada, Air Canada just, uh, it was yesterday or this morning, just revealed its new livery. Um Of course, anytime there's a new livery, people are up in arms, blah, blah, blah. I personally... Didn't really like that bluish pale blue. It was a strange uh, color. Yeah, I didn't like it. So the new one is a bit of a callback to both the 90s because the logo is back into a circle. So the maple leaf is back into a circle. It's still red. And the belly of the plane and the tail is black. I think black or maybe a very dark blue. I'm not not, not, not entirely sure, which is more of a callback to the the 60s and 70s. I do like it. I like it too
1: and you're right every time there's a new livery people are just you know, up in arms about it but I think you know it's very deferential to the original no well, not original but you know the deliveries of days gone by there's a nice um nod I think maybe this is my imagination but I think there's a nice nod to Canadian Airlines. Oh uh, you're right. I did the think old about wow yeah. the old retired uh, Canadian Airlines with that dark blue and the you know I think so it's nice, I think everybody uh, you know, has an opinion, but I think it's
0: nice. And the fact that the Maple Leaf is back into a circle uh, reminds of the rondelle in French, like they say in Canadian French, which is the puck of a uh, hockey, of Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the You can see it actually in the belly. So it's very nice because the, the belly is completely dark and then you have right up in the middle, this uh, logo. Uh, they've uh, shown it on the new Dreamliners, the Dash 8. Yes. They are also getting Dreamliners, which is uh, very nice. Tyler Brulé is the guy responsible for that through his company called uh, agency called Wing Creative. He's been doing lots of stuff in the airline industry. He is responsible for the new Skyline magazine of BA, which is a kind of a nod or you remember if you read it and if you also read it from Motocall is publication, you can see some kind of uh, links there. Yeah, exactly. He's also been uh, doing work with Bombardier, obviously in Canada, Brisbane Airport, Porter Airlines and others. But me, what I remember him from where discovered his name was back in the days when he did the entire livery for Swiss. So Swiss Air uh, went bankrupt, uh, was grounded, and they hired him to do and it was a bit of the same idea because it took back to the whole day so it it was a remembrance of what Swiss Air was whilst not fully into it I think it's what a bit what he he does it's he likes going back to these type of designs we had in the 70s and talking about that my favorite part of the entire rebrand of Air Canada is the route map that will be located in the little leaflet you have in front of every seat it is an amazing callback to these route maps we had in the 50- 50s and 60s is very square the lines are very That's well wonderful. defined I, I really really adore that i'm a big fan of maps. a lot of people use pinterest to put stuff about you know weddings and stuff my only board that i really do is maps i do um, so metro maps and route maps
1: british airways co-created co wrote a lovely little book called mapping the airways which is the oh, evolution hey. of uh of maps and route maps and advertising of destinations over the years of Imperial Airways and BOAC and BEA and all the way through to BA. That's a beautiful book as well, if you're a map nerd. Hey, so, w- random <laughs> random fact about Canada. well, indirectly, Canadian Airlines was the first airline in the world to have a website. Oh,
0: wow. It's so, there you that. go.
1: There's a completely useless piece of trivia for you.
0: Is it on the Internet Archive? Can we find yeah, it? Yeah,
1: so it'll be cdnair.ca, and it was launched in April
0: 1994. So, wow.
1: yeah, it uh, they were the first airline in the world.
0: I met the Internet in October... No, it's September 1994, so it was even before I haven't been to the Internet. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that tells our listeners how old we are. Uh, <laughs> it was black and white. Okay, um, back to the story. We opened the show with, uh, last time, uh, Etihad and Lufthansa. So, no... Uh, Etihad didn't buy Lufthansa, no Etihad didn't even buy a stake in Lufthansa. We don't know if it's still coming or not, the rumors are still flying. The two things. First, they did uh, an agreement or the first of February, they announced uh, an extended agreement. They already had some agreements from MRO. So uh, maintenance, repair and operations. They are extending it. Lufthansa Technik will do uh, the maintenance for a lot of the ATHAD uh, flights on the ground. But the other news that was already rumored in December is that the CEO of Etihad is stepping down.
1: He is. Yeah. This is a pretty monumental thing. I think he's not leaving till the end of the year or yeah. June.
0: Yeah. I think mid, yeah. I think mid year. I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's mid year. Yeah.
1: There were a lot of rumblings that things weren't quite what everybody hoped they would be. And I think perhaps he's paying the price for some aggressive acquisition activities and some not-so-successful ones. I think Alitalia is not proving to be the success that everybody hoped it would be. And same with Air Berlin. So yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he, I mean, perhaps he's paying the price for it.
0: I think they also have a stake in Serbia and a few others. But yeah. Yeah, it's... A- the idea was probably uh, very interesting to go in another direction, acquisition by growing uh, stakes in other airlines, but it didn't really, it doesn't feel like a network. It feels like stakes, but not in the yeah, never really. it definitely really, doesn't feel like a network. Yeah, uh, I thought. They could have done something where, you know, the real co-chairs – I mean, they are co-chairs. I mean, if you're looking for a flight from Germany to, to Abu Dhabi, you might find stuff with Air Berlin. I mean, they are co-chairs. Uh, Jet Airways is another one in India. But people are mostly complaining about Jet Airways if you go on a flight. Yeah. I, I mean, think. it's
1: weird because they, they've they just launched – well, actually, last year they launched this Etihad Aviation Group, which is this – so it's Air Berlin, Air Serbia, Air Seychelles, Alitalia, Jet, Virgin Australia, and Etihad Regional, which is Darwin, isn't it, in Switzerland. An yeah. engineering division and then all the stuff that runs the airports. But like you say, it's not a cohesive network of interlining airlines. It's mm-hmm. this conglomerate of stakes in airline businesses. So, yeah. 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 It's it's very interesting to see what the future holds for them and and I was talking about this with my father last night actually about who is going to be the new CEO because that's a tough, tough job to walk into, I would imagine.
0: Well, Christoph Müller is already at Emirates, right? (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's the name
1: (laughs) so I reckon you know, and I think we've talked about this in the past that he is the sort of heir apparent to the Emirates throne when when Tim Clark decides to to retire and, and, and take his well deserved break. But, yeah, who knows who's going to walk into that one.
0: Talking about MRO, just a quick note to Jennifer Degelman, I think. She's uh, at AV AVWeekGen. So Layovers.2 used to have a blog. I mean, the blog is still there, but... We don't have time to blog. So basically, uh, it's only the podcast, at least for now. And, but she found a graphic she wanted to use. And, um, she actually writes for the MRO-network.com. Oh, cool. Uh, and, uh, she's done a, an infographic about the fleet changes of Emirates, uh, between 2007 to 2017. And it's actually really cool. If you love this kind of stuff, infographics, uh, it gives you an idea that basically, yeah, they're going all I triple bet that's seven. That's fascinating. Two. And thank you for crediting layovers. Uh, Their agenda uh, was uh, really nice. Lufthansa, I didn't realize because I- I've never done it. But we've talked in the past about having the possibility to upgrade. You know, to bid for upgrade. Mm. Uh, and I think Lufthansa uses a different provider. I've seen it's called My Offer. So just wanted to mention it because if any of you guys has ever done it, I want to know how it is because I've yeah, never me done too. it myself. And I fly quite a lot uh, Lufthansa. I fly them again. Now they are not striking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They've also released a new version of their iPhone app. I, I don't have an Android, so I cannot tell Android. And the cool thing, it, it has a bit of this stupid feel. It gives you this uh, layout, you know, in a timeline manner. So now you should check in, and now you should check in your bags, and you should etc. Et oh, nice. So I think it's very clever. Yeah, it's a nice idea. It's already a very well done app. I think it's one of the best, one of the few I actually use and actually have on my phone. The other. I usually have them and I delete them right after the flight. This one I keep. Talking about these little apps, remember probably last year, guys, that I was trying the experiment of doing TripIt, WorldMate, yes. TripCase, Google Trips, and all of them. I still do it. So one use first, and then I'll go to my story about my previous slide, which will exemplify the use of those. But WorldMate is uh, shutting down. So uh, for those who have a premium and pay for it, I think you can get it reimbursed, but WorldMate is shutting down. Most people I talk to either do Google Trips because they don't bother and it's automated or TripIt because uh, everybody used TripIt. Yeah. I I don't know a lot of people who use TripCase, which I like and I still use, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I,
1: say... I'm a TripIt loyalist for
0: as ugly as it is. <laughs> loyalist. It's actually it's actually getting better. Uh, the website is, still, is weird because now the website has some parts that is a new design and some parts the old design and a bit the same in the iOS app. Now the flight itself, if you look for one leg of the flight as a new design, but the timeline is still has the old designs is a bit like incremental yeah. <laughs> so uh my trip i keep on my promise to fly less than in 2016 also for my family matters but i really want to fly less so i've only done <clears throat> eight legs last month <laughs> why eight legs because it was a stupid decision so i was supposed to go to both madrid for work and geneva for family reasons i could have done obviously the obvious one was to take like an easy jet or low cost to madrid and then another low cost to geneva and another another low cost to come back. So all up and Joe, one legs. But when I looked online, I found that the price of doing it with Swiss, the whole thing was actually similar. So I said, you know, I will accrue miles. The only thing is I would have to do London, Zurich, Zurich, Madrid, Madrid, Geneva, Geneva, London, which, you know, say, why not? You know, I like flying like you do. I said, one more flight to go to Madrid shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, well, I was wrong because of course, mm-hmm. the day I arrive at the airport, I immediately realize something is not going well. There's no announcements. Uh, Swiss doesn't tell me. You know, Swiss usually sends you a text when a flight is late. There's nothing on the board. Tripit is the only, and that's interesting. Only out of world made trip case, it tells me that there's a delay. I'm like, okay, one of them. Usually, they all beep. I get a notification the same instant. The no only uh, trip it. And I start like, okay, I'm gonna look where the inbound flight is, you know, assuming that's the same. And they're like, oh, he hasn't even like taken off. Okay, right. There was fog both in Zurich and in London. So obviously that was probably the reason. I ended up arriving uh, late in Zurich. Uh, Tripit was telling me you have uh, six minutes to make the connection. Oh no! <laughs> Which is possible because Zurich is super super efficient, so it's possible. Now the thing is, just before I took off, and I was a little bit pissed because the Swiss customer care is not very reactive. You know, there's not a line for status holders. And they don't really reply on Twitter, even if you DM them. So I was, you know, at one point I got really a bit fed up and I sent them, okay, thank you for not replying or something. And then, you know, I had to switch my phone off. As soon as I landed in Zurich, I took my phone just to look, will I make that connection? Connection that would have been on a Bombardier CS-100. So I was like, shit, I don't want to miss it. And the thing is, I will never know if I would have been able to make the connection. I have a feeling I would, but why? Because once I was in the air, somebody picked up my angry message on Twitter said, okay, you know, we dealt with your problem. We're assuming you're not going to have enough time in Zurich. We should you two new boarding passes. So instead of going Zurich-Madrid, I had to do Zurich-Frankfurt-Frankfurt-Madrid oh, in, in 320s. A friend of mine, coincidentally, was in the lounge in uh, Zurich waiting for his flight to Sao Paulo. I think he's a listener to the show. Hi, Alan. At the same time I landed in uh, Zurich, he was uh, messaging me, Paul, your name is being called in the airport. You're late for no the flight. No way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so one hand of
1: Swiss didn't know what the other hand was doing. Yeah, exactly. So That's I rushed hilarious. out of the airplane.
0: She had just told me on a wee, new boarding card. But I said, you know what? I have seven minutes. I have to go through passport control. But it's super fast. And the gate was literally the next one. I mean, it was literally two minutes away. So I started running. But as soon as I arrived at the end of the jet bridge, there's this Swiss ground crew with two boarding passes printed out that says, Hey, that's your next flight. And we like, Uh, Okay, I won't even bother because my booking has been altered already and I wouldn't have been able to get into it. But anyway, thank you Swiss for making this. That's why I had so many flights. Then before I go to the other part, this is where I come back to the apps. Do you use Google Trips at all? So Google Trips is fully automated. So it just reads your Gmail, finds the boarding passes and creates trips, which is very convenient. I quite like it. The only thing is in such a case when you have to make a different flight, when you get a paper boarding pass, of course, Google is not aware of it and refuses steadfastly to make any alteration to your trip. So it becomes useless. Whereas a trip, it, I have to do it manually. I was able to manually change the name of the flight, add the, the other flights, and then obviously I would get the right notification. Same same for a world mate and trip case. So just to say that Google trips are also very good, should let and i have sent them that feedback. Let people just change flights, you know, because sometimes things happen, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You'd think Google, Uh, of all people, would know that. Out of all of them, I think that Tripcase is the one that handles changes the best.
1: Most to the point of uh, obsession because it's like constantly checking and constantly like telling you something's changed by (laughs) eight
0: seconds, you know? But I think these apps, you know, for instance, I put my hotels in these apps as well, right? And I put the the check-in time, I put it usually like two hours after I land. These apps should be smart enough to know that if your flight is late, don't give me a notification about it's time to check into your hotel. No, I haven't reached destination, guys, right? Tripit was silly enough that I couldn't delete a flight, but I could add two other flights. So I was at the same time huh. on the flight that I missed to Madrid and on the flight that I didn't miss to... Frankfurt. Which, again, anyway. All that to say that uh, arrived in the end the same day, thankfully so, because I had a meeting the next morning. I love Madrid. Interestingly, because we had done Madrid, I led to Terminal 2. It's much better. I mean, it's older, but I mean, compared to that huge thing that Terminal, Terminal 4 is. 4, when you, train <laughs> like. The east part of Terminal 4 is basically in Italy, and the west part is in England, right? Because it's so big. Yeah. At least T2 is a human scale. So It was, it was nice. On the way out Same thing really nice actually terminal two and three are very close together. It's a bit confusing when you don't know it But it's really nice. Uh, Again, nothing special. It was really empty fast track. was the only guy So it was really uh, really nice. That's great. Thanks to my status. And then finally finally I flew the Bombardier uh, CS100 Swiss is the launch customer and still the only customer who has the CS100 they only have five for the moment From the outside, it looks like a mini Dreamliner. And from the inside, it looks like a mini A350. The one thing that is striking when you see it for the first time is that the engines look almost oversized, right? Like it's a baby plane with... Big engine, really. That's I don't know. I don't know why I say that, but it's really cool, actually. This 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 bird is amazing. So the configuration is three uh, two, slightly smaller than a three twenty, of course, and and others. Of course, the, the the interior was chosen by Swiss, but they made a very good choice. The cabin is very light, very white, that creates this kind of eerie feeling. The same feeling I had when the entered the Dreamliner. The same feeling I had when I entered the three fifty. What I really like about it, they also have drop down bins. there's more there's more space wow it almost looks like you're flying for a kind of mid-haul long haul but you're in a smaller version of it or something it's and the one thing that a lot of people will notice which is again the case with all new aircraft is super quiet like compared to all the other aircrafts it is to a 320 that we always fly when we fly in europe 737 it's super super quiet it's smooth it's uh, I
1: can't uh, wait to try it because I know that they do it to city now
0: yeah uh, other airlines would have soon had it honestly I uh, I, I really adore it uh, so I had to go and fly to Zurich Zurich Geneva and I had 55 minutes in Zurich uh, which is again more than enough of course slight delay that reduced to 25 minutes and I was like huh, am I gonna make it well it just happened to be that when I was uh, Waiting to go off the plane, one of the attendant looked at me and said, oh, he looked uh, a bit stressed. I'm like, yeah, I have this flight to catch. He said, oh, but you're with us. <laughs> so basically, I was going in the same aircraft with the same crew. To oh, that's that. always fun when that happens. The same gate. So that was fantastic. And same seat, actually. Exact same number. I said, can I leave my stuff in it? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, uh the fun bit here is that they were pre-boarding people and usually you pre-board, you know, the um, disabled people or old people and people with infants. And they were like pre-boarding like a group of 15 to 20. I was like, what's going on? And then the guy says, yeah, it's a fear of flying course. And I went online and I looked it up. Uh, so Swiss, Lufthansa, a lot of airlines offer it. The Swiss offer is that. You have a three-day course with the therapist and psychologist and a ground craft, you have a pilot who does a lesson, you have also like a flight crew who does a lesson, you they can visit the tower. They, on this one, I think that's they visit so the tower cool. in Geneva. They have a lesson with uh, an ATC to understand how, you know, flight traffic works. And then the end, the pinnacle is that flight and I was telling them, "Oh, you guys, so basically your first flight, you're going to do it on a CS-100, that's so
1: lucky. <laughs> it's really interesting to me that it's very cool that they do that, but usually when they they take you on a flight it's a dedicated aircraft that they were doing it on an operational flight is really interesting but probably a very good idea
0: we applauded them at the end. I mean, oh, the, that nice. was really cool. Yeah, I think the, the pilot went on the on the PA and said, "Oh, we want to you know congratulate the guys who just did the course." And the entire plane erupted in applause, which you don't usually see anymore, no. unless you are like in a very dangerous country Apparently with a very dangerous aircraft. Russia, that's the thing, is applauding. So, and if any of you have flown in Russia, tell us. And a few other Eastern European countries, I've I've seen as well. That's Some nice. People applaud. Yeah, I like it. I like it. A friend of mine, though, tells me, hey, I'm not getting applauded when I send a fax. Why should I applaud the pilot when he does his job? Oh, please. I don't agree. (laughs) A little different. (laughs) Sorry. I know. I'm just saying because it made me laugh when she told me that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Alex, the last thing I will say about that trip is that, boy, you know, we live in the UK, and for those of you who live in the UK or at least outside of Schengen, I had forgotten how easy it was to transfer in airports when you are inside Schengen. You don't have any passport control, nothing. Oh, man. I lost that sense because, of course, being in the UK, you have to go through passport control every time when you go to Europe. But it's it's kind of nice, actually, honestly. feels it like is. the US, right? It feels like domestic in the US.
1: Yeah, it is nice. I missed that. Yeah, I flew to Cologne actually this weekend back out of London City. And even that, which is such a great and efficient airport, there's always, you know, like in Cologne airport, is, or pardon me, I flew to Düsseldorf before went to Cologne. You know, you get wonderful Düsseldorf terminal but if you're going to a Schengen thing, you have to go to sort of like you know quarantine area. You don't have any shops or any restaurants or anything like that, which is such a shame.
0: Still in Europe, a uh, little industry news. Have you seen that uh, Priceline bought uh, Momondo oh, yeah. for half a billion? Yeah, half a billion. Wow. So Momondo, if you guys who might have known Momondo, the other site they operate is called Cheap Flights. Sometimes when you Google, you might stumble upon it. So it's a sign of uh, another consolidation. I mean, Skyscanner was also bought by Chinese like a month ago for like one point some billion or something. Yeah. One point half billion pounds. That's that's a lot of money. So probably because, you know, everybody's scared of Google. No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, land grabs. I think that's absolutely (laughs) right. Still in Europe, still on low cost, uh, Ryanair. They don't want to install Wi-Fi because the equipment is too heavy. Mm. That's <laughs> weird. Know. It's not that heavy, is it? I guess their calculation is they don't have to pay too much fuel and the price they will charge. I mean, there's some make kind make a kind of algorithm pass. and at some point they will go there.
1: I'm, I'm, I think I'm, it's an inevitability with pretty much every airline in the next 10 years. You can make passengers pay for it. Yeah, maybe. you'll get your money back.
0: Did you have any Wi-Fi on your latest flights?
1: No. Although I have to give credit. BA City Flyer, which is obviously a subsidiary of BA Embraer 170. And I love those planes.
0: Oh, yeah. I love them too.
1: I was in Club Europe, which doesn't really mean anything except you're sitting in the first two rows of the airplane. The food was really, really good on both legs. It was very, the service was good. The flights were smooth and easy and on time. I was impressed. I mean, no Wi-Fi, none of that stuff, but given all the guff that BA have gotten for their buy on board and their short
0: haul stuff, the food was outstanding. You know what? We really should invite someone, a specialist, because sometimes the food we have in planes is clearly dependent on the departure point, right? You can have, fly the same airline, the same route. You'll have great food sometimes and on the way back, crappy food, right? Yes. And it's, I think we should find someone, or if some of you guys are listening, who either works in catering or in operations and can give us a bit of more of insight of how that works. We would love to, because we love, both love food. I mean, Alex loves even more than me, but I would really dedicate an episode yeah, on Yeah, it would be so interesting. Food. And not front cabin plane food. I'm talking about regular food that we have in economy, right? So. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Our friend John Bradford sent us a really interesting thing, which I'd actually listened to live when it was on the BBC on, on Radio 4 about how noise-canceling headphones make airplane food taste better. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a radio clip that you should listen to, but it was super interesting about how sound, especially ambient noise, affects the taste buds and that the quality of the taste is, is perceptible when you have noise-canceling headphones on.
0: By the way, guys, I was not paid by Sony to give my review <laughs> last episode because I had some comments about that. I'm still saying it's the greatest noise-canceling headphones I ever had. I still use it. One thing I will say, so it degraded from 10 to 9.5. For some reason, in the Ether Terminal 2 Senator Lounge uh, from Lufthansa, there are bad shit interferences that just make my headphones go completely wonky. I don't know, it cuts down, it suddenly seriously really? starts to work by itself. And, you know, I was in, in the lounge and was putting my headphones, I was like, I cannot, I, I, I cannot make them work. So I was like, huh. I have like still a few days to send them back and ask for a new pair. And then the rest of the flights were working. Really? There's something strange. I'm going to try to read weird. that. They must be. They say on the website that there might be a lot of interferences depending on some kind of signals or whatever. There must be something in that lounge. So guys, you are warned that they would stop by themselves and restart. And they will call up Siri on my iPad. And I was That like, is what, so what? weird. Yeah. So 9.5, not 10. But I still love them. And I haven't uh, returned them. A few other things before we move to the airport. Oh, first, yeah, since we're talking uh, in-flight, because I promised you guys I would talk about the flights I've done, the best is still for me the new Turkish IFE. Why? Because not only the UI is great, it's snappy, the content, there's a lot of content, but there's two things. First, there is INDB notes on each and every one no of way. the movie that's and Oh, that's cool. Show. So you know... Like even if for a random movie of the title you never heard of and you say, oh, well, what is this? Like you and me, like, you know, running out of options to go to see, and maybe if IMDB has like, I don't know, 7.5 out of 10, you say, you know, I'll give it a shot. So I really like that. And the other thing, which I also found on Air France is the little button that all IFEs should have and even Emirates doesn't have, which is always called the best IFE, which is you touch and you go back 30 seconds. That's you know, a great get- idea. You get interrupted by the flight attendant for food or you need to listen to something. Uh, uh, How many times do you have to fiddle with a thing and go like 20 hours? (laughs) I have to get to Thomas Cook have
1: that feature on their IFE as well. You press the thing, go back 30 seconds.
0: Even Apple doesn't have that on this video thing. It's only Amazon Prime has like a 10 seconds going back. I mean, I just say that because I wanted to say it, it needs to be on every single aircraft that still has IFE. Well, since I just mentioned Amazon, uh, Amazon Video, Amazon Prime, uh, Amazon is building a huge cargo they really are. in Cincinnati. I think like 1.5 billion dollars. They only disclose that they have 40 Boeing 767s. They must. Or we'll order more or we'll lease more because this is a massive hub. How-
1: yes, they are going all out on this. And I think it was a matter of time. FedEx and the UPS must be very worried because that's got the amount of money they must spend on that is just an incredible amount. So, yeah, but the, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it just it really does make sense for them to own that entire supply chain. And Maybe one day we'll have passenger flights.
0: Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I wish. I mean, honestly, I wish, you know, part of my prime subscription would be to get, you know, a certain amount of flights per year. <laughs> That's I a great idea. Totally, I would totally go for that, honestly. Uh, two news about uh, drones. Uh, have you seen first? It was pretty staggering. Have you seen the the show, the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, wasn't that amazing? On- These drones that create the flag and stuff. Wow. I mean, apparently it was pre-recorded because the FAA didn't allow drones to fly over, uh, of course, for the Super Bowl because of, you know, safety risks, but also because they didn't want any drone to fall down on people. So it was pre-recorded. But still... Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. It was really really cool. Drones in an airport, usually uh, when these two terms are mentioned together, it's bad news. But Atlanta used the drones to remap their entire airport, including all the runways and fields, etc. Because they want to expand, it was a cheaper option to do with drones. So drones can be actually something uh, very useful. It must have been quite something to make them fly, it's the biggest airport, still I think the biggest airport in terms of passenger traffic in the world, and you have to make drones fly to map the thing at the same time the planes are landing and taking off. That must be quite of an operation. I wouldn't have wanted to be (laughs) responsible for that one. Airbus is steadfastly saying that they will have a self-flying taxi by 2017 and they will test it this year. Do you really think that this will go anywhere? No, I don't think so.
1: Not in the time frames that they're talking about. It's just, it's it's a big leap. But, you know, then again, we said the same thing about supersonic travel. And here we are with, uh, apparently, we're going to have an
0: operational test of the boom in this year.
1: Prove me wrong, Airbus. Yeah, prove me wrong.
0: <laughs> and the last bit of news. You and me both love Lounge Access. Listeners, you know, long-term listeners will know that we like to arrive both early at the airport. Yes. So having Lounge Access is nice. <laughs> Mr. Buntut uh, missed his AirAsia flight to Kuala Lumpur uh, last year. And then spent 18 days in Shangi. Feasting on breakfasts and dinners and sleeping and watching movies and using the showers. You know how he did it. He remained in transit because he was downloading images of uh, passes by Cathay Pacific and Singapore Airlines, doctoring them to put his name on it, and then using them to re-access the lounge area. I day. love it. <laughs> he was arrested. Don't do it. Yeah, don't. But... Yeah, that's fraud. But uh, <laughs> I love the story. How? How? Look, you're supposed to take a flight, and then suddenly your mind goes, "Oh, I'm going to stay for I'm three gonna... weeks in, <laughs> in the airport." I don't know. Usually, I don't know. You take the next flight. Yeah. Oh, well. About taking the flight. So you told us the story about getting to uh, Cape Town. But Cape Town itself, the airport, I don't know it. How is
1: it? Yeah, it's good. It's, uh, It's improved a lot because they... I haven't been there in 14 years. But before the 2010 World Cup, they gave it a major overhaul. And it's a very functional airport. I have to give a shout out to... Very regular listeners, Cobus uh, and Rich, who... Uh, oh, yeah, you met them? We, I mean, yeah, yeah, not only that, they had done such a, a huge amount of work um, oh, wow. to, to provide us with such great information for uh, on Cape Town for Attaché that we really couldn't wow. have done the episode without them. So thank you guys so much. Uh, both ultra uh, travel and aviation and airline geeks like us, so we spent a lot oh, of time talking guys. about that over some beautiful South African wine and biltong. So thank you guys so much. Uh, in fact, actually, Cobus just posted some amazing pictures of the new South African Airways A330 business class product, which looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's a good little airway. It's, it's bright and airy. We landed at the same time as a BA 747, an Emirates 777, a Qatar something, so immigration Was a long. Yeah, there was only like four people doing immigration. It took about an hour to get through. (laughs) But it's nice. We got our rental car, which is right there and zoomed away. It's pretty close, like 20 minutes from town. And then you have. When you come into the airport, you've got the standard security, which was fine. But you also have outbound immigration, which took a little bit of time as well. So it's important to buffer in some time there. They have a a tiny paid access lounge, which I used my um, – what the hell is it called? Priority pass. Thank you. I used my <laughs> priority pass to go into for 15 minutes. But it was it was well-stocked and fine. They was cool actually when I was when I've left Cape Town Airport in the departure lounge, they were doing a live demonstration of traditional South African song and dance and music, which was really, really neat. A nice way to lead the country. And then of course a weird collection of airlines. You've got you've got all the South African carriers, so Kalula and Comair, which is a British Airways subsidiary. Weird to see next generation 737s in PA colours. You've also got, uh, when I was there, there was a beautiful illusion. I think it's an oh, IL-74, yeah. just sitting there. That was, uh, what's the big Russian cargo carrier? Oh no, a 76, Ellucian 76. Is that the one you sent me the picture? Yeah, that's uh, the one I think. sent the picture of. It's just a- I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, strange yeah. looking airplane. And that was Airbridge Cargo, I think. They have the uh, the bigger illusions as well. Also on the on the airport is Thunder City, which is an operator of English Electric lightning fast jets that you can go up in. Wow. Uh, yeah, so you see those tooling around from time to time. But yeah, it's a good airport, great location. Food wise, which is obviously very important to me, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of stuff around. I liked it. It's a a good little airport. And the departure lounge overlooks the runway. So lots of of opportunity with big floor to ceiling, you know, 50 foot high windows. Yeah, I like it. I mean, you know, Cobus and Richie, you you know, I just mentioned they fly out of there a lot. So maybe they have some different
0: (laughs) feelings of that airport. But I thought (laughs) it was great. There's two things I know about these airports. First, it's that I think Cape Town to Joburg is one of the busiest routes in the world, probably yes. in the top 10. Yes. So uh, most of the traffic is actually there, <laughs> uh, which is amazing. He also got uh, elected a few times like best airport in Africa by Skytrax. Yeah, I can believe and the that. Other, the other thing, because we had done an episode about Joburg, the one with your father, I think, was on, it was yes. episode 22, and we said that Joburg is very high, Well, this one is actually almost at sea level, right? It is at sea level, yeah, pretty much, and it's a spectacular
1: approach, so... We had a fun little trick up our sleeves for the uh, episode of Attaché, so keep your eyes peeled for that because we got some pretty spectacular footage. Yeah, I know. Footage. I know. I'm so um, jealous. Oh, the one thing I think is worth mentioning is that, uh, and again, thank you to Cobus and Rich for this piece of intel is the best way to get into town from Cape Town Airport is actually Uber. Oh, Uber's okay. all over Cape Town. There's a there's a bus service called My City Bus, which is also very, very good, or renting a car. But yeah, Uber is it's all over the place, and it's probably the cheapest and best way to get into town from the airport.
0: Well, there you go, I need to actually visit that airport. I mean, of course, visit the city and the wineries, which are just north, I think, of the city. Uh, I really need to do that route one of these days. Uh, I promised a few friends who live in South Africa, I promised them every year I'll come and every year I failed to. So even though I promised myself that I would not fly too much this year, probably I will enhance quality over quantity, and I yeah, might actually good do idea. that one. <laughs> I'm actually go to uh, South Africa. On that, Alex, uh, any flights coming up for you?
1: Probably, uh, <laughs> as always, at, at the end of March, I'm taking the whole family to Hong Kong and to Ishigaki Island in Japan. So no, that,
0: that I, I hate you. I mean, you <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. What? I think we. We'll, I know the story because you told me. We'll tell the story. We'll do Ichigaki Airport when you get yes, there, good and you'll we'll tell the story why you went there because I love that backstory. <laughs> but that's let's keep the, the suspense, you know, built for our listeners. So, of course, we we'll, we will record before, yes. before then. I promise you. Yeah, I,
1: I'm sure I'll be going. So I might take uh, a couple of short trips between now and then. As yeah, well.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm limiting myself to short trips. So again, Madrid is coming up again, Athens and again Geneva. So uh, you know, I'm running in the same airports, but actually, it's a nice routine to do first big trip won't be before april for me either so uh, i mean long haul so uh guys to next time probably in the next two weeks i promise you that we are more regular happy travels safe travels guys